You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. I'm really happy to be here. It's a pleasure for me. I would like uh, to make the most of this opportunity. And now, your host, Matt Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be joining us, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk to several people. We'll talk with Andy Colton, a West Brom fan who is originally from England, but who now lives in the Northeastern United States. We'll talk to him about Cyril Regis and his legacy. We'll talk about the match we just had, and we'll look at kind of some of the similarities in in his life and how it's changed uh, in terms of of watching and viewing and being a fan of football. And there are lots of other things in there, but I'll let the conversation with Andy kind of uh, dictate what you get to hear. Uh, It was a wonderful opportunity to speak with him. It was something I really enjoyed, and we could have talked for hours, uh, but we try to be respectful both of our time as as fathers and and people with families and and things to do, and also of your time and not just ramble on about stuff that, did, that didn't need to be talked about. But I think what we have here, what we chose to record and what I chose to keep in the episode, I think uh, you will enjoy and I hope you will. And then after that, we're going to talk with several Saints fans from around the globe uh, to try to get a handle on what happened over the January transfer window, uh, how we're feeling about it, how we're feeling about the season, uh, the manager and all of that stuff. It's similar to what we did at the end of the summer transfer window, only I've tried very, very hard to keep it uh, short and sweet with each guest so that we can get to several different guests without having the big, long, gigantic episode. And I think you'll be happy with how it turned out because I think we're going to be right around the normal episode mark where it easily could have gone on uh, for much longer than that. And I want to just take this second to thank everybody who responded to my call for callers on, on Twitter who was willing to talk with me. For those of you who couldn't make it, we couldn't make a time work. Uh, thank you anyway. I, I appreciate your your willingness to come on. And it's uh, so much of this is about learning from from you and talking to you and, and getting to hear your ideas and opinions about the team. And I, I, I truly do appreciate it. So I hope that you enjoyed the episode. And let's jump straight into it with my conversation with Andy Colton. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Andy from New Hamp. Uh, and the links to all of that is in the show notes, as well as a link to the article he wrote on Cyril Regis who sadly passed away a few weeks ago and who was honored at the West Brom Southampton match last Saturday. So uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Andy Colton. Uh, I'll talk to you after that. I hope you enjoy it. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Andy Colton. You can find him on Twitter as Andy from New Hamp, and he is a West Brom fan. We're here to talk about uh, his his movement over to the U.S. and uh, get his it is sense of, of what it's like to, to support a team from the United States when he used to be able to support them from the UK and uh, kind of look at both of our teams predicament and talk a little bit about the match that happened on Saturday. So 
Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time to to share share with me and, and share with us. And I guess I have to kind of apologize about about the result. I, I know you guys needed three points as well, but um, as a Saints fan, I am I'm super happy, and I'm sure most of the listeners will be will be happy that we were ma- able to pull that out. For sure, you know, first of all, um, as a baggie, we really respect what Southampton's uh, commitment to the Soul Regis uh, occasion today, away from the flag, the uh, the internet sort of drive to try and give uh, this amazing person uh, the send-off he deserved. And let's face it, you know, you have the three Wallace brothers who were the forebearers of uh, black players at your club, and I'm sure Cyril had a part to do with that. So there's always a connection between the clubs. I think we're both very similar clubs, community-based, family-based. We wear stripes, struggling a bit this year. But, yeah, I'm proud to give a perspective, and congratulations on the win. It was deserved. Oh yeah, I have to say that's probably the best that we've played all season in terms of being able to actually control a game when we're not just trying to defend like we did, say, against Man City or Arsenal or or some of those other matches. So it was nice from a from a Saints point of view to to see that. Um, but but like you said, you know, the Cyril Regis ha- passed away recently, and you guys had a big thing, and and the Saints fans are really really good and really really respectful when it comes to that type of thing, and it was good to see because. Really, there's not a lot of positive going around the club right now. It would have been really easy for everybody to kind of just switch off and say, we're not doing that because, you know, we're not having a good time. So we're not. And it was really nice to be able to see everybody kind of take a minute to to recognize that some things are bigger than what's going on on the pitch right now, you know, um, which I'm sure that that uh, Cyril's kind of legacy shows. Yeah, his legacy was in, was incredible. And I mean, the outpour of emotion through the world of soccer, was it or football, sorry, wasn't just at our club. You know, there's a great tribute uh, on the Westbrook website with numerous black players who still really was the forefather of in terms of acceptance, in terms of inspiration. You know, I used to watch Westbrook back in those days, part of the country watching them, and just incredible the amount of things you'd see. You know, the, the just the uh, the vitriol, the aggression, the just the the awful way people treated the black or free black people. And uh, Cyril Laurie and uh, Brandon, the only survivor now, they, they led that vanguard of resistance brilliantly. They're just great people. We play such champagne football, let's say, expressive, beautiful stuff. And you know, Cyril's legacy, you know, will, will, will stay on forever. You know, it was, it was such an important player on so many levels. So often these minute silences are, you know, it's a decision made by a family. It was, it was an ovation today. And every side of the ground gave him that ovation, and it was completely deserved. One day there'll be a statue for him, and you know, fingers crossed when Southampton come back and players, you know, Saints fans can go and quite rightly pay respect to an amazing person as well as an amazing player. Yeah. Um, now, when you were growing up watching West Brom play, um, you you mentioned to me last night before uh, we were chatting back and forth on, on Twitter. Um, that that your your family was a was your dad a Derby County fan? Is that what you told me? Yeah, yeah, I was a Derby fan in the club years, and I was too young to really argue with him. I used to go and not support Derby, but sit by his side and share a season ticket. And so the first year they're in the uh, in Division One, you know, that's the premise now. Cluffy's first year there, we were there watching them play. I saw Southampton back in the day. Uh, players like Shannon, players like Terry Payne. Players like Ron Davis, you know, quite a forward line there. Mm-hmm. And uh, just great, great days. So I saw all the Dam United. I cheered for West Brom, despite the fact, you know, Derby were playing and, you know, my dad allowed me to do that. Yet again, not much success, you know, being a baggage fan. It's almost a lifetime script. But yeah, that's how I started. Before I could get a train on my own, my dad would never get to Birmingham. So 
I'd end up going and going on with my brothers, and uh, that's how we sealed our love for West Brom and seeing your first game at the Hawthorne. So it's a strange, strange start in many ways, but I wouldn't have swapped it for the world. Now, when when you made the decision to support West Brom, what what was it like going down to the stadium with your brothers on the train, doing all of that stuff? Uh, can you can you describe that a little bit for me? Yeah, Birmingham's not the best city in the world. It, at the time, I had a bit of an edge to it. And what was quite unique was that there was many uh, many train lines going to Birmingham Station. So back in the sort of late seventies, running the Vanguard, you know, it's not just actually early eighties. Yeah, late seventies, of course, you'd be running the Vanguard of considering who are Birmingham playing today or who are Villa playing. So there'd be, it'd be groups of fans sort of, you know, just at the station. And what the safest place, to be honest, you'd have to get one or two buses then from the station to the ground. And it's the same as any, any sort of old school ground. You know, there's a real edge to it and real, real, it's, it's just part of the community. And the community in West Brom is fully behind West, behind the team. Smell a hot dog. You know, the blue and white scarves, the days of, say, Regis was one of the, the you know, the, those were the days I really got into it. So, so yeah, different times, different times, but still the same passion. Yeah, yeah. Now, when, do you remember the first time you saw, you saw Regis play? Um, first time, yeah. It would be back in 77. And uh, it was, it was just, I didn't see his first game. His first game was against Rotherham, and that was in the cup. And that was a midweek game, so it was a bit tricky to get to, and he scored in that game. The Norwich game, I missed. The third, the third game he played that I saw, but already the build-up to his, his, you know, he just physically there was nobody like him. There's there no Cyrils playing in that league with an L-E at the end of their name. You know, it was a very exotic name, a very exotic look. And so straight away, you know, if, if you like, you know, if you just attracted to, to a, a player who has a bit of a, a bit more of a, a different edge to them and it wasn't just Cyril I mean it was Cyril Laurie and Brendan there's the three of them you know that was the that was the key to it it wasn't just one of them but you know obviously now Cyril's took you know the attention because of, of the events two weeks ago which was an absolute shock fit as a fiddle incredibly fit bloke I know a lot of people know Cyril very well they work with Cyril and it was, it should be, actually today, it should be with his family on a cruise. It was his 60th birthday last week. And he oh. booked and paid for a cruise for his whole family. So life is so bizarre. It can't be crueler. You know, he should have been there, you know, in the bosom of the family. And instead, they were celebrating his life at the Hawthorne. So mm-hmm. you really can't get more extreme than that. Looking back over his career and, and over his life and stuff like that, what what really set him apart, I guess, from from some of the other players? What makes him, um, in your mind at least, one of those standout players that that you're likely never to forget? Well, you dream of players. You know, you, the, the players that I am attracted to in terms of ability do the things I can't do. I was a midfield player. I was solid, played semi-pro for years. But I couldn't bustle and barge and use pace and use uh, power and physique to, you know, to blast through gaps and, and score goals. There's no way I could do that. And so, you know, immediately you, you become an, a massive fan. Same as Laurie Cunningham. I couldn't dribble like Laurie Cunningham. I couldn't show the same guile. I couldn't take corners with the outside of my foot. These were very revolutionary times and players. So, you know, I was so into Cyril. You know, that was very, very close to getting a tattoo, which for a 17-year-old white boy would have been bizarre having a black guy in his right arm, his scrawny arm, his muscular figure, heading it or powering it in a shot. So, you know, becoming all over passion. And part of the, the, the makeup of it is a bad fun. This is not going to happen very often. You're not going to have your dreams made true where you're having a team that just 
It's so exciting. It's so it's happened. We've never had the players since. So, you know, as fans, we just embraced it. And I, I'm one of many, many, many are in that situation. So, yeah, just different. Just different to anything we'd seen before or, or ever since. You, you've gone from kind of attending the matches and, and being around and taking the train down to the station and all of that. And now you're, you're up in New Hampshire and you, which is, which is much, much what's the weather like right now? Just as out of curiosity. Um, UK, it's minus 12. So, you know, it's about, it's around zero. So it's, it's, it's okay. You know, I've been out all day in it. You know, it's, it's just, it's just a regular winter. Um, wind chill as well. Um, it's you know, regular day. I, I was I've been out all day as well, and it's eighty degrees, and I have no idea. Yeah, that's perfect. Now the weather between Southampton and West Brom isn't so that quite extreme difference, but uh, but no, it's, it, you know I've, I've been here for for eighteen years. I, I embrace, I adore the place. It's a great part of the world to live. Now now that you've been in the U.S. for that long, what uh, what's the biggest difference between watching you know following your club then when you first got here to to now? Uh, Obviously, the TV coverage has, has probably helped a lot, but what else? What What do you miss about about not being in the UK? That's a great question. Um, you miss the immediacy of games. You miss the the ease to get tickets. You miss the the option of going. Let's face it. I go every year. I, I fly back every year to see one game, which in a sense is is incredibly exciting. So you really make the most of it. I'm jinxed, Matt. You know, I've been last five years. We've scored a goal. One goal in five years. At home, you know, it's hardly a great record. I'm going back this safe pushing to play Southampton. I play Liverpool, sorry. So, you know, it's going to be a really tough game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but no, it's over here, bizarrely, you get so much TV coverage. Every game's live. Um, so, you know, it's blanket to blanket, you know, sort of watching it rather than actually being there. And nothing beats being there. So I miss that. Saying that, I'm a New England Revolution fan, so I watch the MLS. It's a different season, a completely different sport in many ways. It's it, you, you drink margaritas at half time, you know that's just the way it is. Yeah, <laughs> and there's no relegation or promotion, so it's uh, it's a lot more fun. You know, it's a real family occasion. Going and watching West Brom is is pressure. Man alive, it's pressure, and it's uh, yeah, it's all it always has been. That's why the Regis years, you know, is, is a re- is a release of that pressure. That uh, you know, it's a contrast. Yeah. Um, yeah, the MLS games are, uh, are different for sure. Um, but I am, I am very excited to be going, uh, to the UK for the first time. we my family's never traveled outside the country. So we're going, uh, over the Easter break. Cause that's, you know, teachers were off then and, um, they're playing in London twice. They're playing West Ham and they're playing Arsenal, uh, on the weekends that we're there. So, uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have a good time out and it won't be, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll work the trains the right way and we'll, we'll get to the match and all that stuff on, on time. Yeah, oh, Matt, you, you know, the difference between, you know, doing what you're doing here on the, on the West Coast and just being there is just is so pronounced. Every sense will be satiated. So exciting. I'm really thrilled for you. And I'm sure to meet a lot of your friends through through the podcast will be just as important and just as good. So, yeah, that's a great thing about the Internet. I think you do meet a lot of good people, good fans from around the world very easily. So. That's one strength of it for sure. So yeah, have a great time. Yeah, it's uh, this has been such a learning experience. I mean, everybody from from other Saints fans to to fans like you of other of other clubs that we've, you know, somehow made this connection over uh, over a sport and through the internet and all of this stuff. It is, uh, I don't know, it, it's something that I I didn't really expect. I guess when I got into the podcast, even though it's kind of what I wanted, I didn't, I wasn't sure it was going to happen. And this has been the best thing about it is is doing what we're doing right now, which is. Um, getting to learn about the history and, and getting to learn about your experience and things like that. So 
uh, it's something that I can't, that, that's as best as I can do to, to, to put it into words. That's totally true. You know, good, good people gravitate to good people. And so fans from clubs, you know, we have no, we have no agendas, we just have the same passion for the teams. We just wear different colors. Simple as that. Uh, as I say, we connect and we, you know, we we, we share experiences. And it's, it's as I say, I totally agree. I totally agree with that statement. Now, I know that you also do some writing, uh, although I'm not certain about if it, if it's related to to the club or not, or or what is it that you do write about? Yeah, so I'll get to the club. Uh, I wrote for a website called the the Premier League Panel, and I wrote um, almost is it a weekly basis. I did match reports. I remember writing one of Southampton last year, beaters at home, and I just wrote pretty much similar today in that sense that it was it was ball playing skill and possession and vision versus artisan work workmanship and skill always wins. I remember writing that last year. So I wrote a weekly piece, and it wasn't like a match report. I wanted to go deeper than that and have fun with it and explore different angles, and it got really decent reviews, really good reviews, and then. I was uh, asked to write for a website called Over the Bar, and uh, I wrote a, a piece on Cyril, actually. It was very good, truly written. I think this is a writer, you know, that to me, best writing comes from his soul rather than, from, you know, from overthinking it. And so I wrote a piece about Cyril, and it got, it got really, you know, it was what I wanted. What I wanted. It, it, when a hero dies, if you can somehow get close to the words that you feel on, you know, on paper, then you know, you feel pretty pleased with it. And so I'm really happy to have shared that and it's gone very well. So I'll be writing for that website, you know, definitely from, from now on. So, but yeah, writing something, again, it's, it's just expression and it's just a, another means of connecting, which I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I did see that piece on Cyril and I thought it was, it was great. And for somebody who is new to the Premier League, who is, you know, I didn't, I mean, I didn't experience that the way you did in terms of watching Cyril and, and his teammates kind of struggle and, and come through that. And so it's hard for me to, to understand all of it, but to see, um, you know, to see what he means to people like you who were there and, and have watched him and, and to see what he means to, to the rest of the Baggies fans that, um, I don't know, you can feel it. You can feel how important he was and, and and I think it came through in, in your piece as well. Well, thanks, Matt. I mean, we're both teachers, and you know, we're teaching. You have a, a guest speaker who's lived an experience. They, they, their clarity of, of mind and voice and attitude is, is just spot on. And so I couldn't I couldn't read about Cyril and write the way I did. You have to put your heart into it because part of your heart was thinking seriously when he, when he passed away. We're all going to pass away at some stage, obviously, but at 59 with the world at its feet and still, you know, and just shocking. So, yeah. So, yeah, thanks for that. No, no problem. Um, but, you know, coming coming into the season, uh, uh, kind of moving forward, um, what were your expectations coming into into the season for for West Brom? It's funny. We, we're both in the fan zone. On NBC, and uh, I was asked, uh, "Will you stay up or not?" In in, in one word, and my word was seventeen. <laughs> that was like a prediction. There was hope, you know. It wasn't like I, I was no way we're going to finish for seventeen. That was that was uh, that was probably in November. Um, we, we started the season again. I thought another, I thought we'd come seventeenth, and still I, I have some hope that it could happen. That's still a messy relegation zone. And I believe firmly we have our first 11 key players missing today really killed us. You know, he spoke about the fact that the best Southampton have played. And quite rightly, you pass the ball beautifully, look smooth. But we were so slow in central midfield. 
a guy called Krachoviak, who's at the Polish International, who adds a different layer, a different, you know, a different sort of angle of, of an attack as well as defence, has a bit more speed about him. And the whole balance of the team was just was off. Um, with, with him back, with, uh, with Evans back, Gibbs, they are key players. At, we haven't got a squad. He showed it today. We are, you know, we're, we're weak in certain areas. And same with J-Rod, you know, he's been playing so well for us. And, uh, you know, we, we think the world of him. And I'm, I'm sure he got great reception today. Um, you know, he didn't start. So Haji picks his best. He has actually he made a big impression on us in terms of his first few games. This is it was his worst game coaching, I, I think, without any question. Um, so hopefully he learns from that. What can you say? You know, if he don't, if he doesn't, we're down simple as that yeah yeah now y- you mentioned uh that that Pardew's made an impact i mean obviously tony pulis is is known to you know play four center backs across the back line and and look to score in a set piece and just not allow the, the opponents to score and, and you know you, you played really really well last season until you got to 38 or 40 points and then you kind of shut it down and it was early still um and and so, so what, I mean, what's the biggest difference that Pardew has, has made? And in, in even though I, I would say that maybe the points aren't there to, to back it up, you, you seem, and, and many fans seem to feel like he's actually improved you guys a lot since he came on board. It's so bizarre, isn't it? I mean, we've won one game in 25, 26, and uh, we're talking about improvement. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, Pulis, you know, you can't, you can't have everything in life. And certainly we, we, we will survive, but the, the method of it was just, Draining, you know, for the players, I'm sure, as well as the, the well, certainly the fans to see those blocks of four and a five, and then Rond on his own. So what Parky's done is freed that up, is given more responsibility to attacking players. Again, with it, performance-wise, we've, we've, we've played a lot better. Um, we were on a nice little run till today, but again, I think it just showed the squad. They, for him to have an impact, he needs a certain type of play. He needs a Chadley. He needs this guy Krachoviak, um to to really dictate the field. And there was no one there who, you know, Barry got booked early and that minimised his role and Jakob was, was slow. So, yeah, he's, he's certainly more of an attacking coach and, uh, you know, his fans will embrace that. But again, it was, I think the tolerance today went a little bit because, as I say, it wasn't, wasn't a well-coached game. And with only 12 games left, you can't afford many badly coached games. We have to win five or six. And, uh, you know, you want to give yourself the best chance. Despite the fact, you know, Southampton played some beautiful football and I don't want to be, you know, there's always two sides and I don't want to bash Southampton at all. You know, you, you play some great stuff and you usually do. So, you know, there's no, no shock there. Yeah, well, I mean, with our manager this season, we've been, a lot of us have been critical and I think it's been, it's been fair. Um, dropping players who have scored goals, uh, dropping players who everybody looks like we're in form, playing, you know, just people out of position and things like that. And then, it hasn't really seemed to click, but today he he seemed to, for the most part, go with a with a lineup that most of us thought was 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 one of the strongest lineups we could have put out. And I think that Lamina in the midfield was turning it over and 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 really driving us forward. And I thought that Tadic and James Ward-Prowse and and even Buffal all had decent games. And I, I thought that we looked pretty good today. But as you said. Uh, it was against a weak in West Brom side. So I and and because we've kind of not been as consistent this season. Um, I don't know how many times I've said, you know, oh, this is the performance we can build on. And then next time it, it doesn't happen. And, and it is somewhat frustrating because you don't know how many more times you can say the same thing. And then kind of, you know, we got to play Liverpool next and, and maybe it just all goes out the window. Well, 
that, I'm not sure it's about playing us, but you seem to specialise in amazing goals. I mean, think of Buffalo's goal at your place. Just brilliant. And like all four, all three goals today were outstanding. Lamina was a difference. If West Brad Lamina in the middle of midfield, I have no quite doubt we would have won the game. And I didn't know a lot about him, to be honest with you, pre-game. But then I went into looking to his background. My gosh, you know, what a signing. And uh, if, he, if he can give you that foundation, then you, you made up. And the goal we scored was just fantastic. Yeah. You mentioned that players are, you know, dropping players. Well, Rodriguez has scored five in the last six games on the run that, you know, we've been looking for for, for ages. Okay, we get storage in, which is a great sign, and I really applaud that. But to drop Jay Rodriguez is, was nuts, tr- truly nuts. So you just, you're asking for trouble in that sense. But no, you know, as I say, the, all the goals you scored yet again were excellent. And uh, as I say, you, you, were, you were smooth, technically very, very good. We overlap. Which I love your fullback. You mm-hmm. know when they when they really really crack on. And I think sometimes they're a real confidence team. When they when they when they're on, they're on. And uh, you know the, you could just see that when that second goal went in, the whole game changed. Mm-hmm. Changed in an instant. But uh, but you were threatening before that. But once those goals went in, the confidence really kicked in. Yeah, I would say that you know we. We have struggled to defend corners and set pieces, and and really our our center backs are very technically good. Like you like you mentioned, they're they're good on the ball, but they are not strong in the air. And and when you guys got in there early, uh, Stevens lost uh, Higazi, I think, and he put that ball away. And then I know from from me watching at home, it was kind of just like it was here we go again. You know, this is this is not what we need. But immediately after that, you could really see the team going like, no, we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna push through it and. And they kind of were on the front foot. And I think you guys kind of did what we tend to do, uh, what Southampton tend to do is, is sit back when you, when you got the, the goal, you kind of dropped off a little bit and kind of, I was, I was happy that we took that, that opportunity to push forward. Um, that, that, I mean, that, that is the most positive thing that I could, I can say about, about today is we kept pushing um, even when you guys hit back. Well, the problem was that I mean, mid midfield, we didn't have players who could actually break. There were, you know, Barry and Jakob sat the whole time. Uh, both goals were headers. Um, so again, you know, maybe that's your Achilles heel still uh, that we conceded. But honestly, he, you know, I don't, I don't remember as really having many chances in open play. You know, the, the, our big threat was was the, was, a, was free kicks and corners, and even that, I can't get many great saves. Um, so yeah, it was as I say, every time was a weakness, and uh, as I, you know, the, the, we we've forgotten how to win. You know, you're in the leader for four minutes, they eat you six more minutes to really consolidate that, and strengthen and we we didn't you're completely right Matt you know we sat back and allowed Southampton they've got good enough players I mean Ward Prowse fantastic player you know his, his vision his, his his skill on the ball was, was excellent and uh, we got opened up we got opened up and uh, again and again and you, you could see the goal was coming you could see it it was a fear that uh, you know the technical players would would find a way and they certainly did yeah um, it, it's been it's been a good I think today, like I said, I've said a ton of times, I think it's, it's, a, it's a performance we can build on it and hopefully we can take some confidence from it moving forward. Um, but how many of the players that we, that you were missing today are going to be back when it comes time to, to play you in just a few weeks in the FA Cup? It's hamstrings, Matt. You know, it's a risk, isn't it? Do you give it another week and, you know, ensure that they'll play the rest of the season or do you keep the players who we've got now? So with Hammers, you know, it's Evans, Gibbs, uh, Chauviad got kicked against, uh, got stamped on against uh, City. And so I think that's the reason he was out. But Evans and Gibbs, Gibbs particularly, Gibbs has been a really good signing. Um, so I, I can't answer that. You know, it's, it's risk-reward. I don't see 
if there's a risk, they'll play them. They'll they'll, they'll save them for for the for the later league games, which is more more important in in some ways. I mean, glory is a cup. One of us is going to be in the last eight of the cup. You know, and it'll be it's exciting. But uh, you know, whether it's priority, I don't know. Maybe it will be. And I think you'll be you'll be you know mid table, and you can start looking looking forward rather than looking behind you, which would be a lovely feeling to have. It would. I'm, you know, you mentioned 17th earlier and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if that's where we're going to wind up being just with the table so tight and some of them we have, we have a, a, a run of winnable or, or, you know, possibly winnable matches, but you know, we, we, we still have to play Liverpool. We, we have to play Man City. We have to play some of these bigger teams that we're going to, we're going to come up against it here. And, and personally, I didn't, I didn't really think, uh, Pellegrino would, would prioritize the cup as much as he did in the last round. Um, but it looks like it's something he's, he just wants to continue the confidence and hopefully, I mean, hopefully it works out. Hopefully we're able to do that, but, uh, you know, we, we will see. And like you mentioned, I, I don't think in any, in any way you will jeopardize the the health and uh, of some of your players in, in a cup competition, given that, you know, you're currently sitting uh, in the relegation zone. Yeah, I went, I went to the cup game. I think it was the fifth round, actually, back in uh, 78, 79 between the Baggers and Southampton. And uh, that was a surreal game. That was a surreal game. We needed everything but win the bloody game. Terry Geno, or Geno, I apologize to the Saints fans, I mispronounced his name, had an absolute blinder. And uh, it was 1-1, and we lost the replay at your place. So uh, we have a good history. It's a good, you know, decent game. But that's when we had a, we had a decent team, and uh, that's pre Premier League. And certainly, both our teams didn't worry about relegation then. Right. Um, this time, yeah. I mean, as I say, Pellegrino may well go with the strongest team, and looks like you've got a strong squad. I mean, you bring in you know, some cracking subs on. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have that option today in terms of the quality. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see where it goes. It's been it's been tough to find game time for everyone because we we weren't involved in any European competition. And I think the squad has been built up a little bit for that. And we didn't go deep in the EFL Cup. We were out at the first hurdle. So all of a sudden you have some of these guys who were kind of there to play those competitions. And now the competition isn't there. Uh, and now we're kind of in a place where you got to just play the guys who are who are who are feeling it because, you know, you, you need to keep that confidence up and you need to you need to show that run of the league. So we'll kind of see. Um, you mentioned to me at one point that you, you coach and did you coach a, a player who, who at some point played for Saints? Yeah, 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 yeah. I coached him for four years. Yeah, he was, um, he was signed during the Harry Redknapp days and, uh, he, he signed through the, uh, the advice of, uh, of actually Harry's son, Jamie. Jamie went on loan to, to Southampton. It should be early 2000s and uh he was a central defender he went uh multi-million uh, transfers from spurs to west ham uh a local callan davenport uh he was, he was californian actually uh, his uh, grandparents are and uh he was born in bedford england and i taught him for four years in england and coached him and I was a bit of a mentor to him. You know, his parents went through a bad patch and, uh, you know, helped him through that. And he was an England under-21 international. Uh, he was on Wenger's radar as a youth player, but he never quite kicked on. I mean, Callum was a fan, an awesome player, but it just shows the level he had to be. His passing was very, very good. He's six foot five, six foot six. So, you know, fantastic in the air. But his, his footwork let him down at the highest level, quick feet. Something like Tadic would take him apart. Just an extra half a yard he'd find. So, like more as Callum signed during the the, uh, the last few weeks of Redknapp's uh, career uh, time there, um, 
Callum played, I checked online, he played seven games for Southampton and then went back to his parent club who were, were Tottenham Hotspur at the time. Um, Callum's story had a horrible ending, actually. He, um, he was attacked um, by his, his sister's boyfriend and it was on a Saturday night and he was attacked with a knife and uh, the boyfriend tried to end Callum's career by stabbing him in the thighs. And uh, Callum would have died. He was lucky he didn't bleed to death. It was a Saturday night. There was no um, traffic in Bedford. And they managed to rush him into the hospital before he bled to death. He was only 27 at the time. still at the peak of his powers. Right. Um, but he never returned. His damage to his thighs was, was that bad that he never, ever played again. So he was a, he was a good lad, Callum. Yeah, great lad. And, uh, you know, it just shows you. You know, it's a very strange narrative. But there you go. Yeah, I used to, I used to coach that, Callum. I'm sure some of the fans remember him. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, like you said, that's a that's a terrible it's a terrible ending to to that. Um, are you by any chance still in contact with him? Um, a bit less so now. Yeah, he sort of since his career ended. But sadly, there's like a race angle to the attack, and um, you know it's well documented the, the court case and goodness knows what. But uh, but yeah, we lost a little bit of touch uh, post uh, retirement. But when he was playing, now he's, he's he, the beautiful thing was he always called me Sir or Mr. Colton. He never called me Andy, which uh, is a respect thing, you know, that uh, yeah. I was always his teacher and his coach. So, uh, so yeah, as I say, it was, um, it, it was very sad, very sad. Yeah. Well, it's nice that you have, you know, that connection and I'm sure you, you know, I'm, I know that sometimes the connections with students and, and people that, that continue after they left the classroom and things like that. Um, sometimes you're not sure if it's going to continue, but when it does, it is, it is something that is, that is great. And unfortunately Callum's story has, you know, not the greatest of endings, but um, it's really nice that you were able to, to kind of be there for him and, and do that. So there were many kids who are players who, um, who got released at sort of 12 and 13 and it breaks the heart. You know, it's a very, it's a very strange system in England and that, so for Southampton, they sign kids very, very young and they dismiss them pretty quickly. Not many make it and uh, dreams are ruined very, very, very uh, regularly. So uh, in America, different to the draft system, as you know, the um, MLS pick plays who are from college and uh, it's an age where, you know, they deal with stuff. Um, Callum was one of the few that actually made it. There's not many, you know, you're very proud as a teacher, incredibly proud. You watch him score for... Spurs against Man City at main, yeah, the old main road. I think, my gosh, you know, I knew that kid when he was nine. You know, <laughs> in his career. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty surreal. All right. Well, um, Andy, I appreciate you sharing your time with me, uh, sharing your knowledge and sharing your story and kind of, you know, bringing to light not just the things that happened on the pitch today between the clubs, but uh, some of the history that's behind that. And uh, I, I can't say enough how much I appreciate all of that and, and your writing and all of that. Um, so I wanted to say thank you for that. And um, we will have to do this again uh, at some point. And uh, it's, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And is there, is there anything else that you would like to add to our conversation now? No, no, I mean, just, just this friendship, this conversation, it's just an extension of what life is all about. Fans should connect. And uh, I, I've really enjoyed it as well. And uh, hopefully the, the South the fans get, get, a, you know, get something from this. And again, I really like the club. You know, it's, it's nice to talk to a club that uh, you have some connection with. We are very similar. Sadly, one of us is going to be knocked out of the cup and one of us is going to get relegated. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. I got one more question. One more question. If, you know, being in the U.S., if, if they get relegated, if West Brom get relegated, 
how will that change your viewing experience? What will you do to continue to keep up with the club? I'll do everything I can. You know, you're going to search on the internet and find, you know, different feeds, different ways. But I'd be a, I'd be a liar to say it'll be, it'll be easy. You right. know, selling games like West Brom versus Burton Albion, you know, it doesn't quite the gravitas that the Premier League has. And, uh, you know, when, truthfully is we we've had seven years there which is a, a big run for us now we've been a yo-yo club forever and a day so all good things come to an end so you know i will enjoy the championship and we'll, you'll just move on okay. um but yeah it, it'll be tougher for sure it'll be tougher yeah i i asked because i haven't experienced that as a, as a saints fan yet and i've only experienced the premier league in the era where nbc has basically flooded us with coverage and made it so easy. And it is easier to watch Southampton play than it is to watch the Dynamo play, which is the MLS team that I like. And that, whether it's the, the time actually works out great for me, but, uh, you know, if, if they were to go down to the championship, it would be, it would be extremely hard to stay up to date. I think I just have to go radio most of the time. And it's, uh, it's just a much different kind of experience, but I'm not going to complain about it because had I been a Southampton fan, you know, pre-internet, pre-internet radio there, you know, I'd be looking up in the, in the paper to see what the score was on Sunday morning and, and that'd be it. So, uh, I'm more than thankful for all of it, but I, I, I hope that you guys are able to, to continue to run and hopefully, you know, we can put three other teams down and, and let their fans deal with it and not us. Well, I've got to say, Matt, you know, part of promotion is the fact your world is opened again. It's very strange that the world does close a bit when you're relegated, you know, in terms of the access that you, you, you take for granted to a, to a sense. So, yeah, it's, it's lovely to breathe the Premier League air again, and, and particularly living overseas. But the championship is awesome. You know, as, as a fan being in England, the clubs are, are you know, some of the grounds you go to you don't, you don't normally go to. And uh, the fans at times can be a bit more genuine, I think, you know, compared to the bigger clubs, corporate clubs. So, right. so yeah, you know, everything has its benefits. But, uh, but no, I think uh, once you're in London, Matt, I mean, that's the thing. I can't wait to talk to you about that experience. Just, everything will change. Yeah. And by the way, I've seen a dynamo. I saw them during the Owen Coyle days, uh, about, two, about a year and a half ago. It wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't good. So uh, there you go. You have a better time with Southampton for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Andy, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much again for your time and uh, good luck uh, two weeks from now. Yeah, raise a toast to Cyril before you, before you took him tonight, Matt. Make sure you do that. Absolutely. Good man. And that was my conversation with Andy Colton. Once again, you can find him on Twitter at Andy from New Hamp. And the link to the article he wrote on Serial Regis is in the show notes. I highly recommend you check it out, whether you're a Baggies fan or not. I'd like to make sure and thank Andy for the time he spent with me uh, between family uh, and other obligations. It, it can be difficult to, to make time for some dude you don't know who contacted you over the internet uh, that you've never actually spoken to before. But uh, as Andy mentioned, the connection that, that all fans have uh, kind of that, that's what this is all about. So, uh, I can't thank Andy enough for his time and, uh, I'm sure we will talk to him again in the future for the second part of the podcast. We're going to move into a more, uh, Southampton, more traditional focus. So, uh, to all the baggies fans, feel free to hang around, but this is probably where you like to switch off. Uh, if you have a saint supporting friend, maybe share the podcast with them. Uh, and you can even let us know or let me know, uh, what you think of the podcast, but I hope that you've enjoyed it thus far. Um, but I, I assume you'll be shutting it off now. So, uh, bye-bye to you.
for the Saints fans that are still here, we're going to go around the world and talk with several different uh, callers who, who were able to call in and talk about uh, the club. And I tried to ask everybody kind of the same questions uh, so we can get an idea of what everybody thought. And hopefully you, you are able to enjoy that. So uh, let's go to the first caller now and uh, we'll kind of just run through all five callers and then we'll see you at the end. First of all, I'd just like to welcome you to the show. We have Jasper Shiner calling in. He's at Repsash Shiner. Did I say that right? Yeah, said all it right. right. All right. Um, and and where are you from, Jasper? I, I don't know. Uh, are you in the UK? Yeah, so I'm in the UK. Uh, I'm local to Southampton. Uh, I've been a Southampton fan all my life. Went to my first game when I was three years old. Um, so yeah, I live locally, New Forest area. Okay, all right. Uh, and what we're doing today is we're just trying to get uh, your ideas on on the transfer window, on the board, on, on the manager. Like, what's what's standing out to you as being um either, either going wrong with saints or uh you know what you, maybe even what you noticed today during the match um i'll start on the transfer window uh i thought that uh, it was quite naive i think the transfer window from the club uh we let our best player go on the first of january um i feel that if you're going to do that you need to get a replacement in or, or line one up before you do so because you know we we've let van dyke go for a, a large sum other clubs know we've let him go for a large sum and it just gives you a very weak negotiating point um going forward for the rest of the month and that seems to have been what's happened is clubs know that we have a large amount of money to spend and therefore it kind of drives the prices up of the players that you're looking to sign i mean Carrillo has been recruited is he a 19 million pound player probably not um but you know monaco don't have to sell and we we need to buy so it, it's that whole situation um so i think that everybody will agree that it's not been a particularly good january um i don't think we got the targets that we wanted i think theo walcott was probably our, our number one target and we we seemed to take far far too long to kind of do anything with that transfer um you know it rolled on for two three weeks you should be looking to do these deals at the start of the window not towards the end and you know that's had a knock-on effect we lost out on Theo to Everton uh Quincy Promes Spartak Moscow winger seemed to be our, our next target and is apparently going to be a target in the summer if we stay up um you know that transfer looked like it had it, it could have been done had it been started earlier in the window you know, it got to the point where the clubs had agreed uh some sort of fee or some sort of deal where Spartak got the fee they wanted but it wasn't paid all up front but they wanted to get a replacement in and obviously because it was the last two days of the window they didn't have a chance to do that um so I just think that from the club's point of view they should have done a better job in recruiting and I think it's been like that for the last couple of windows it's not just this January it was the summer we bought in a centre-back and a defensive midfielder when we were crying out for a Sadio Mane replacement a bit of pace and directness in the team yeah I I, I agree with that and you would you you kind of look at where we did replace and we needed a forward, but we've needed a forward for you know a season, you know, or a season and a half, and and so it seems like we're late to to get those replacements in, and and like you said, we we are kind of forced to pay a premium. Maybe we overpaid, maybe we didn't. We'll see how it all how it all works out with with Carrillo. Um, but kind of looking at the performances recently, um, you know, the win over West Brom pushes us uh, up to 14th, but. Uh, it's also tight that, it, that I'm not sure the league position matters. I think points matter uh, a little bit more right now. Um, but looking at where we are, uh, are you disappointed? And, and if so, how disappointed are you in the performances o- over the course of the season to this point? Um, I'm disappointed, uh, but I'm, I always try and see a positive spin on things. Um, I was one of the few people that thought the club well probably deserved a second season. 
I thought the job he did with, you know, missing Van Dijk and Austin for the majority of the season, I thought that on paper it was, you know, not bad and that he could have built on that. But I, I actually had the pleasure of meeting Mauricio earlier in the year. He's a very nice guy. He seems to know a lot about football. And you have to say that there's there's got to be something that the board, whether it's Les Reed, Ralph Kruger, there's got to be something they're seeing on a daily basis that makes them believe or gives them the confidence that he's the guy to kind of lead us out of the mess that we've got ourselves into. Um, I think we'll all agree that we shouldn't be where we are, you know, but we are where we are. And and the team seems to be pulling together of late, you know, unbeaten in five before today, albeit most of them draws and two of the wins in cup competitions. But, you know, it, I think it's slowly starting to kind of, we're getting back on track. Do you, do you think there's enough time left for us to stay up? Do you think we'll stay up this season or do you think we're going to be, and, and if we do stay up, are we going to be in this kind of relegation fight the entire time? Or do you see us kind of pushing on from here? I think, I think we will stay up. I, I've, I've kind of been toing and froing over the last week or so. I mean, the Brighton, I was at the Brighton game and, and it was poor. Um, and I thought, you know, most people on the ground felt that that was a must win game. And we've been saying this for months, you know, this is a must win game. This is a six pointer. And we just keep drawing or not getting the results. And I think today was the crunch game. You know, draw or lose today, I think Mauricio may have gone. Um, he's won, so he stays on. I also think that it kind of, you mentioned that it's not about league position. It's very much about points accumulated because, you know, from Watford down to the bottom of the table, it's, it's so congested. You know, you put together a couple of results and you're, and you, you know, you're sitting pretty at the top of the pile. It's just about keeping teams between you and the bottom. So I think we'll stay up, but I think it will be a struggle because you look at the fixtures we've got, we've still got Liverpool to play. We've, you know, we've mm-hmm. got tricky, we've got a tricky fixture running. All right. Well, uh, last question. If you had to change, if you can make a change at one place in the club, whether it's, you know, board manager, uh, personnel in, in terms of the playing staff, um, where, where would you make the change? Oh, that's hard. Um, I, I feel that Les Reed gets a lot of stick. Um, I think a lot of people need to actually sometimes sit back and look at what he's done at the club and for the club. Yes, he may not, you know, nobody gets every decision correct. Um, so I don't think that there's any chance he'd walk away or, or would be made to leave. You know, you look at what he's achieved and in terms of the finishes over the last few years, uh, you could you could arguably say it's been Southampton's most successful period in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think you can make a change there. Uh, I don't think Ralph Kruger has too much to do with the football side of things at the club. So I don't see any sort of point in changing anything at board level. I think it's the club's fairly well run. We won't find out until the summer what Mr. Gow's intentions are. Mm-hmm. Um, the only argument you could say is that the recruitment hasn't been good enough. Um, but I would say that if we were going to sack the manager, um, it should have been done in December before the window. Um, I thought we weren't playing particularly well. You would have given a new manager the transfer window to bring in players and, and make a change. I think that now we haven't done that. You kind of have to stick with until the end of the season. So I'll go out there and say that actually I don't think right now, post West Brom, I don't think it's worth making any changes. All right. All right. I think that's I think it's fair because I'm not sure I'm not sure anybody's going anywhere right now, and I'm not sure a change right now. Looking at some of the managers who are out there, maybe uh, are, are going to you know really do us any good. You know, uh, yeah, it, no, I'd agree. So, all right, well, Jasper, I appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for joining the show, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. It's a pleasure. Khaled, I'd just like to welcome you to the show, and thanks for being willing to come on and talk about the team. Thank you. It's my honor. Can I can I ask where where are you calling in from? Uh, from Saudi Arabia. 
All right, all right. And how long have you been a Saints fan? Well, uh, it's been uh, since uh, I think uh, 2011. And is it is it hard to watch the team living where you are? Well, first uh, three or four years, yes, it was hard. Now uh, every game is on TV. Okay, all right. Um, and in this this week, what we're trying to do on the show is just to to get an idea about what. Um, just to get an idea about what people think about the the transfer window and the club and the direction it's going and, and things like that. Um, so if I can ask you, you know, what did you make of the of the transfer window uh, this past January? Did you do you think the club did a, an acceptable job or do you think we failed somewhere? Well, we failed. I think it's awful window. We get a striker. Uh, he's a substituted striker striker for twenty million. I don't think he will do anything good for the team. All right. You so you think we overpaid for him then? Yes, I think we could have had uh, Soleimani for uh, on loan. Maybe we could uh, get uh, Batshuayi or something, some, something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what what other areas did you think that the the team needed to to address? Well, uh, first of all, uh, center defender. Okay. After Van Dijk left, we should have uh, get someone in there. All right. What about like when we missed out on? Um, Theo Walcott and Quincy Promise. 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 Did you think those were? Do you think that's an area we needed to address as well? Well, maybe, maybe I think. Uh, but we have good talent. We should have done a great job. All right. Um, coming into this season, did you? I mean, I know we we won against West Brom, uh, and that pushes us up to fourteenth, but. And it was a great performance, but do did you expect us to be where we are on the table, or did you did you think we were going to be maybe higher up, pushing for something else? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, the first uh, before the season, I think we should have uh, I don't know got uh, seven place or eighth place at least. I mean, we have uh, look at what we have: Ufal, uh, Gabiadini, they're uh, good players. Okay, if. If I gave you kind of, if you had the power to make one change at the team, uh, if you don't mind, tell us where or who you are and, and where you're calling from. Maybe replace the manager or something at the board level. Uh, what what change would you make? Well, first thing, uh, we get a new manager. I mean, uh, we even lost one. Wasn't uh, convinced to be honest. Okay, all right. Anybody, anybody in particular you would want? Uh, maybe. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, any? Do you have any other thoughts on, on the team that you would? Any other points you would like to make? They have never been an honest with the. I think over the last three or four years, they always lie over the fans. All right, man. Have have a good night, and I'll talk to you later. Oh, thank you. Thank you. My name is Martin St. Hill. I'm a 24-year-old teacher living in Saigon in Vietnam. I've been a Southampton fan since 2013, and I was at university there for three years, uh, Pochettino's first season and Koeman's two full seasons, but haven't only been to one game since I left uni. All right. And where were you from in the UK originally? Um, well, it's complicated. Um, I was born in Singapore and I grew up in Asia. So I ha- I'm not from anywhere in the UK, but oh, okay. right now I'm living in, uh, uh, living in Lincolnshire. Okay. All right. All right. Well, then I'm, I wish we had time to get into all of that cause it sounds, uh, quite interesting, but, um, 
first of all, what is it like to watch the team from from Vietnam? It's I'd say generally it's probably about the same as the UK. I mean, most of the games that would be televised in the UK are televised here as well, and they're on at reasonable times in the evening. The only real problems are the evening kickoffs, which are about 3 a.m. here, so you can't find anywhere to watch them, and, and the internet's too bad to watch it at home, so you end up following on Twitter and um, the live score app. But um, <clears throat> overall, it's not too bad here. I w- probably watch a few more games than I would if I were back home because sometimes the 3 p.m. kickoffs are televised, but whereas they aren't in the U.K., Right, right. Um, I'm super fortunate here in the U.S. We get uh, kind of all of them. They're just flooding us with uh, all the matches trying to get us to watch. So it is, it is fantastic for me. Um, maybe not so fantastic for my family because I watch them all. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, you know, just looking at the at the January transfer window, it's just closed. Kind of how do you think the team did? Do you think we did enough? Or were you expecting them to do a little bit more uh, during that time? Well, <clears throat> Maybe I was overreacting a little, but my fir- the first word I thought of when I thought of the January transfer window was tragic, to be honest, because I thought they, they knew we needed an attacker, but they didn't bring one in. So whether that was because they didn't want to pay enough or for whatever reason, but it, I think they, sh- they should have followed through on that plan. I think leave it, not bringing us an attacking player it risks a lot of problems from the fans because there was a lot of promise, no pun intended, that um that someone would come but no i think while Carrillo is good he's probably good enough score a few goals i'm really disappointed with the board in january overall really disappointed in addition to to the attacking player what was there anywhere else that you would have liked to see them improve the team um i think the the main area the other area besides attack was maybe to bring in a another central defender because not replacing font and not replacing van dyke even with stevens coming through that's still a lot of experience and talent that you haven't replaced so and stevens he's although he's scoring now and he's done well you do i do feel we need a more uh commanding defender because we can see a lot of soft goals from set pieces i think yeah. So yeah, another sense back would have been the other one for me. All right. Yeah. I mean, both goals we conceded against West Brom were, were both headers and Stevens lost. Uh, it seems like both of our center backs got outdone there once by Rondon and once by uh, Hagazi, I think. Um, yeah. In, in just looking at the season as a whole, we, obviously we're out of the relegation zone now, but the, that whole bottom half of the table is so tight. Where where did you think we would be at this point in the season uh, if you were kind of looking at it from the beginning of the season? Did you think this is where we would be or do you think we'd be uh, a little further up the table? I thought we'd be solid mid-table. So maybe 8 being optimistic or 12 a bit more relegation zone. That I'm really shocked by because for all, although we obviously lose players and there's a lot of talent we have to replace, the squad we have now is, you look at it, it just doesn't say relegation material. And you hear it, from so many people your team's too good to go down you've got too much talent to go down but here we are we're just about above the relegation zone so i think we should always be comfortable mid-table maybe pushing for european spots but relegation i think that's shocking for us with the squad we have now yeah yeah i i i would agree i, I don't think anybody saw us here i think you'd look at the beginning of the season Everybody looks, you know, we, we should be about where we were last season. And, and obviously we're just not, we're just not there. Um, where, if I, if I gave you the chance to make one change at the club, uh, at any level, what would that one change be? 
it's a tricky one. My first thought right now is to say manager because Pellegrino just has been basically woeful for the whole time. But then you wonder the next manager would come in, would things be much different? I mean, Puel did a little bit better, but then if Pellegrino's come in and done worse, maybe it's not the manager. So Les Reed is a maybe an obvious target, but then would changing one person really um, change our whole direction? Would it stop us selling players so easily? Would it stop us from, from go, buying players only cheap? I don't know. It's really hard to say, but I think I'm going to stick with manager because bloody hell, Pellegrino annoys me. <laughs> oh, you're not, you're not the only one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, any, any other thoughts on the team at, at all at, at this point that you'd like to make? Um, I don't think we have a bad team, but the main problem with Southampton, and I, see, I, I actually see it through all the five years I've been watching, Southampton have a weak mentality. And for some reason, even though the players and managers change, we don't really lose it. So under Kuman in this second season, we were we had a stronger mentality. But then you remember that run where we went 10 games without a win. If we'd won maybe five or six of those games, we'd have been in the Champions League place. Mm-hmm. So so I, that's my main problem with Southampton. It's not the talent of the players. I, I accept that... Sometimes it's talented players go, it's hard to replace them. But the weak mentality, the same problems over and over again, conceding the first shot on target always, it, it just, um, that's the main thing that annoys me about it. I like a lot of the players we have, though. I think we have a lot of talented players, which just makes it all more shocking that we're near the relegation zone. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is, it's disappointing to see where we're at now. But uh, hopefully we, we, keep, we take some momentum from the West Brom match and continue to move forward. So thank you for your time. And uh, thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Cheers. Have a nice evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you too. Right. Bye-bye. Uh, we'd like to welcome back to the show, Jem, uh, long time, no talk, but uh, you've been on the show before, but you're, thanks for being willing to call in and, and do this, do this episode. That's all right, mate. It's good, good to be back on here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what we're looking for this, this episode is just to kind of get your thoughts on the transfer window. So if I, if I had to ask you, you know, how did Southampton do in the transfer window? Was it a, a successful window or did we, should we have done better or, or what were your thoughts on it? I'm pretty sure if you ask the majority of people in and around Southampton football club, everyone will be disappointed. I mean, Guido Curio as a signing in itself is good. I mean, it sort of looked like we finally replaced Pella, um, but it's sort of two seasons too late then still crying out for a centre-back. Obviously, lost Font last January, lost Van Dyke this January, and still haven't really replaced them. I mean, Wesley Hoot's come in. He's, he's done an all-right job, nothing too special. So I still think we need to bring in a centre-back or two in the summer if we want to strengthen up our defence. And that's not knowing if we're going to be in the Premier League or the Championship at this point because it's a bit of a rocky time at the moment at Southampton. So we're sort of just going from there but as a whole I'm pretty disappointed with the transfer window if I'm honest with you alright uh, what if there was another situ- if there was another maybe area of the team that you would have wanted us to improve uh, where where would that have been um, oh, I know it's cliche but probably someone out on the wide um, obviously we had all these links with uh, Quincy Promes um, and other players like that obviously it's come to February the 1st February the 2nd we don't have him so in the summer we need to sort of strengthen the width because we've got loads of attacking players um, the likes of Redmond, Buffal, who can all play out wide. Tadic, Prowse, even this season, has been played out wide quite a lot. 
Um, but I still think we need that sort of star quality in there, sort of to replace Mane in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, like, like you said, that's a. It seems to be a common kind of thread and theme. And I think the more times we hear it, you know, maybe it just. I don't know if one person's saying it, maybe they're crazy, but if everybody's saying it, maybe we're, uh, you know, we're, we're doing the right thing, but, um, you know, looking at, at the, at the season, are we where you would have thought we would have been? Uh, or would you think, I know we're 14th right now, but we're, that, that whole bottom of the table is so tight. Uh, where, yeah. where did you think we were going to be at this point in the season? Um, if I'm honest with you, I, d- I didn't think we'd be as low as we are, but I knew we wouldn't be sort of reaching the top, top seven, top eight, like we were previous seasons. Um, Obviously, failing to replace key players again at the start of the season, I wasn't confident. Obviously, not knowing much about Pellegrino as a manager, um, obviously doesn't fill me with confidence. But we look at where we are now, and we've got to think, we just have to think short-term objectives at the moment, just get as many points and results as possible. Um, doesn't really matter about performances at this point, in my opinion. We've just got to grind out results, get points on the board and stay up and then go again next year. All right, all right. Um if I gave you the opportunity to make one change at the club at any level you, you could choose, uh, what change would you make? The cliche answer is probably Pellegrino, but I don't know. I feel like Les Reed and Ralph Kruger, I, I feel like the whole team and the whole squad need to refresh to be honest. Um, other teams like West Ham and Arsenal have been calling for the same thing. Um, I, don't, I don't really think Arsenal are in that much trouble, obviously. Champions League, Europa League football, year in, year out. Obviously, top class signings, Mkhitaryan and Bamiang. And we're sat down here in, what is it, 14th at the moment, not making signings, losing easily winnable games, not being able to hold leads. Um, I'd, but I'd still probably go with Pellegrino. I feel like if we did get the right manager and that could sort of gel with the players, um, we'd do all right, sort of top 10. But yeah, Pellegrino would be the one change that I'd make. Yeah, if Pellegrino doesn't get it together this year, we will be holding leads next year uh, at St. Mary's. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully that doesn't happen. But, uh, but yeah, um, anything else you'd like to to mention before uh, we, we let you go to class? Uh, Pellegrino out. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Well, Jim, thanks again for, uh, for stopping by to do this, and I appreciate it. That's all right. I'll That's talk, all right. talk to you later. And we are joined by Harry. Harry, do you want to give us your, your Twitter name and tell us where you're calling in from? Hi, all right. I'm from Southampton, Hedgeend, and my Twitter is H underscore Tizos. All right. Um, and and you, you made the trip up to uh, West Brom yesterday, or uh, on match day, is that correct? Indeed. Yeah, on, on match day, yeah, on Saturday. It was a good game, good game. Yeah, atmosphere? Oh, it was, because of the Seal Regis um, remembrance, oh, it was electric, totally. So sold out, and for the past times I've been at West Brom, it's been a bit—I wouldn't say dull, but it hasn't didn't have that like electric atmosphere at least at the start. And when everyone held their um scarves out bars, it was amazing, especially the games of five goals, edge of your seat, and yeah, it was, it was a great a great day. Yeah, it was definitely a range of emotions uh, from you know the pre-match ceremony to them going up one nil, and then to us going up three one, and then them pulling one back. It was. Even for me sitting here in my kitchen, it was, uh, it was intense, so I can't imagine what it was like to be there. Um, but today we're kind of wanting to get your ideas on, on the transfer window. It's just closed. Um, and I, I'll just be really, really short with the question is, is, do you think we had a successful transfer window? And then maybe tell us a little bit about why you think yes or no. 
I would say in some ways we did have a successful transfer though. Being, being able to get 75 million for a good defender, but obviously not for someone that much or as worth that much. And then being able to get the target man that everyone was begging for. Or maybe not the name people were begging for, but at least the target man for like, we haven't replaced Pella from a few years ago. So in that way we have, but then we had 75 million and we should have brought in a winger. We took too long to bid 25, sorry, 30 million on Promes. Too late, they weren't able to get in a, an adamant replacement because I think the guy that they got in was just probably just to bolster their squad. We didn't get a centre-back either. He weren't able to replace Van Dijk. And although Stevens has been playing well in the attacking way recently, he's not he's not been able to mark players from corners. And I, think, I don't think it will cost us relegation at the end of the season, but I definitely think if we got a good, solid centre-back in, even if it was 15, 20 million, just I, I think that would have really helped us. So overall, I don't think it was because... We didn't we didn't invest enough of the Van Dyke money back into the um the team, especially after we had promised that from the board that that was going to happen. Right, right. Um, you mentioned both. You know, we did get the target man. Maybe, like you said, maybe not the name people wanted. Uh, we missed out on on both Theo Walcott and and, and Promise. Um, but you think, and then the center back. So you think those are kind of the areas that we needed to address, and we you know we addressed one of them, uh, but not not, yeah. not the other two. Um. You know, with the win over West Brom, it bumps us up to 14th, but that, that whole bottom half of the table is so tight. Um, is Are we sitting right now where you expected us to be if you would have said, you know, if I asked you that at the beginning of the season, where we, where would we be right now? Would you say 14th or, you know, just outside the relegation zone or would you expect us to be somewhere else? I would definitely have expected us to be higher because there's no other squad that we have against, especially the promoted sides like Brighton. I think they, they might be ahead of us. They might be slightly behind us, but we've only just got ahead of them. And then a few of the teams around us, I definitely would have thought we would have been higher. And it's disappointing, especially knowing how good we can be on occasions like yesterday, the fight that we showed. And also we've shown glimpses of it through the season. So I definitely would have hoped and I would have believed at the start of the season that we would have been higher. Maybe if that was only 10th or 11th, it might maybe maybe a bit higher, maybe even a bit lower. But I would have definitely expect us expected us to be higher, especially when you look at all the other fans' reactions once in the Pellegrino and the board out and stuff like that. I personally definitely would have believed we'd have been higher, and I'm slightly disappointed at our league position. Yeah, do you, you do you think we'll stay up at the at the end of the season, or do you think we'll we will be in danger of being relegated all all season? I think I think we'll be in and thereabouts the relegation area, but so so eight or nine teams, and like we saw yesterday, just a simple win. Oh, it wasn't a simple win. No one simple for the Premier League, but a win after what twelve games not winning still boosted up us us up to fourteen. So I think we'll be battling all season, but I think in the end we'll comfortably be able to stay up with three, four games remaining. And, you know, we might even put a run together, you know. We haven't got the luck, sorry, the luck, you know, when we played against Watford's and uh, that goal went in when Hoiberg hit the bar from it just slashing off his back. So we could be even higher. I'm not I'm not too sure. But, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think we could uh, get out of that relegation battle within four or five games from the end of the season. All right, all right. And and then kind of last question, if I gave you the chance to make one change at the club, whatever it is, whatever level you wanted to make that change at, what what one change would you make? Mm. Uh, One change that I could make. I would definitely, I don't know whether I'd change Les Reed, but I'd at least change the ambition of the club because we we haven't spent 20 plus million. We're very close on career, not spending 20 plus million, but we haven't spent 20 plus million on a player. I haven't seen the ambition that we used to have 
And if I could change anything, whether that's Lesri going out and a new director coming in or uh, where, where he, wherever he does uh, to do a transfers or just him changing his own amb ambition, I'll definitely look at that because a few seasons ago we were champions. I wouldn't quite say champions, like people are pushing it, saying that, but I definitely we were Europa League contenders every year. And now, what, two, three seasons later, we're fighting relegation and maybe maybe next year we might be doing the same. I, if it was my choice, I would either change the director or just change the ambition of the club because otherwise we'll be in a spinning spell of death how teams like Hull and Aston Villa and Wigan did a few seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, Harry, that, uh, that kind of wraps it up for me. Is there any, any other point you'd like to make before, uh, before I let you go? I can't think of any. All right. Well, Harry, I appreciate it. Um, and Thanks very much. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Steve. that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed it. Special thanks to all of my guests this week for coming on the show. And thanks to everyone who tagged somebody else in Twitter posts trying to get someone else to come on the show. Uh, next time, we'll get you on and I'd love to speak with you then. Remember to check out Andy Calton's piece uh, on Cyril Regis as a tribute to him. Uh, it's in the show notes. And also remember to give all of the guests a follow on Twitter if you're into that sort of thing. This podcast, as always, is partnered with The Saints Report. For all your Southampton news and needs, be sure to follow The Saints Report on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. And while you're there, you can follow this show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Twitter and Instagram. And at Facebook.com forward slash SFCDELIVERY on Facebook, there is no underscore in the Facebook address. The artwork for the show is done by Matt from the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, has been a guest on the show. He did the artwork. It's all good. Give him a follow. If you haven't done so yet, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts to be sure that you do not miss the next episode. If you're enjoying the show, consider leaving a review. If you're new, share it with somebody. Hopefully, it makes their day. All music from this week's episode comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. The end of show credits that you're listening to now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. My name is Matt Markstone. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And until next time, remember that together, we march on. <laughs>